Luke chapter 10. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the screen. Awesome. Um, this is probably a familiar story to a lot of you. Um, and so it's, a, it's also a little bit of a longer one. Um, so you can follow along if you can grab a Bible in front of you or on your phone or the screen behind me. So this is Luke chapter 10, and we're starting at verse 25. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, uh, the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary had chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Before Jen comes up, we're just going to watch a video. Good morning, everyone. I'm Jennifer, the associate pastor here at White Rock Baptist. Today is week four in our summer series called Sacred Pathways. We're looking at some of the different ways that people most naturally connect with and spend time with God. We've taken this idea from Gary Thomas's book, Sacred Pathways, and so far we've looked at three different spiritual temperaments. We've looked at the naturalists, the traditionalists, and the ascetics. Today we're gonna to talk about caregivers. And one of the first people who comes to mind when I think of the caregiver temperament is my friend Dagmar. Caregivers are people who just naturally tend to show their love for God by caring for others. It's not just a chore for them, it's actually a form of worship. At our church we have a caregiver support group for people who are caring full-time for a family member in need. But that's not what we're talking about today. Anyone can end up in a caregiving role in their family. But people with the spiritual temperament of a caregiver find that they feel closest to God when they're looking after someone else. They feel his presence with them as they serve. The naturalist needs to get outside to feel close to God. The ascetic needs to get alone and away from the world. 
and the traditionalists needs familiar rituals and symbols. But the caregiver needs to help someone. And they're the ones who just can't resist being the Good Samaritan, like we heard in the scripture what was just read for us. So I'm going to ask Dagmar a few questions to help us understand this temperament better. Dagmar, when I first met you, you were a caregiver for your aunt and uncle, as well as for your husband, Horst. Who else has God given you to care for over the years? God gave me the first person that came into my life was my sister Ellen, uh, age nine, when our mother passed away unexpectedly. I was just 20 years old, but she needed a home. This was not as easy as I was still quite young. Later in life, after raising two of my own children, I had the privilege of raising my granddaughter, who came to live with us at age eight permanently. My grandson also spent much of his time with us. I loved those years and was able to give them a loving and stable home. We are still very, very close. Oliver came into my life as a stepson at age nine after his mother passed away. Here, he and, he and I are also very close. I truly believe that after two serious car accidents and living through them, as well as several surgeries, the Lord knew I was still very much needed. How has caring for others brought you closer to God? During those times, I learned to ask God to help and was able to now reach out and share his word with others, especially my uncle. He refused to acknowledge that there was a God and that was heartbreaking, but I never stopped praying for him. As well, all of my children and grandchildren attended Boys and Girls Club here at our church in Sunshine Ridge, as well as going to Green Bay Bible Camp every summer. I learned to bring everything in prayer to the Lord. Both my girls have accepted Christ as their Savior, but two of my grandchildren still need my daily prayer as he, that he might open their hearts and accept Jesus as their Lord. What is it about caregiving that brings you the most joy? To see the happiness and love I can, I can bring to people when they need it most. To be there when they reach out for help and to be able to give them that help. People with the caregiver temperament sometimes struggle to have time alone with God because they're so busy and fulfilled by looking after others. So how do you remind yourself that God loves you just for who you are and not for what you do? The first thing I do daily is to spend time with God through my daily devotions. I know that if I put the day into His hands, my day is also very much better. I see how much He loves me and how blessed I am that I have His wonderful love and that I also am never alone no matter what I am going through. This gives me much peace in my heart. He has carried me through so many adversities but also through so much happiness just because He loves me for who I am. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Dagmar. I know it was a stretch for you to be on camera but I really appreciate it and I know the church appreciates it. So let's give her a hand, folks. Good morning. It's always fun watching myself on video. Sorry, Dagmar, I know you're here too. <laughs> Today is an exciting day. We're celebrating our first camp, as you saw. And I know many of you are visiting with us today, so because your kids were part of that. And I just want you to feel comfortable here and know that we're really delighted to have you with us. And so feel free, please, to ask 
any questions about the service or anything about our church that you want to know. Uh, PJ and Dolores are out in the foyer at the info desk afterward and they can point you to the right person for any question that you might have. Um, I realized as some people were speaking that we didn't all introduce ourselves properly, but uh, the first lady who spoke with the black curly hair, the one directing the kids, that's Pastor Lisa, our children's pastor. And then the one who read scripture is Pastor Hannah, who works with the youth. So if you're here because you have kids or youth, those are your people that you're going to want to talk to about all the things we have going on here for kids and for youth. So that scripture that Hannah read for us from Luke 10 of course, that's one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. The phrase Good Samaritan is used all over the world in lawmaking and in nonprofit organizations and just in everyday conversation. We use that phrase, Good Samaritan. But not everyone realizes this was actually a story that Jesus told to illustrate how God expects us to treat those around us. The Good Samaritan, I think, is a perfect example of the caregiver temperament that we're talking about today. It was impossible for this guy to walk past someone who was suffering and not do something practical to help. The priest and the Levite, who were both workers in the temple at Jerusalem, they were probably afraid of becoming ceremonially unclean and unable to do their jobs because they weren't allowed to touch dead bodies or anyone with contagious diseases. So they stayed away. But they were the very people who were supposed to be teaching about what God is like. They were supposed to be the examples. Um, and yet their priorities were so messed up. They put the temple sacrifices and their own agenda above the urgent needs of someone right in their path. And so the hero then of Jesus' story is the Samaritan, someone from Samaria who was only part Jewish and who worshiped God at a different temple. Samaritans were despised at that time by most Jews. They were the outcasts, they were the foreigners, they were not considered part of the people of God. But Jesus shows how the Samaritan actually had his priorities in the right order. He loved God and he loved his neighbor and he didn't just know those commandments in his head, he actually put them into practice. In 1 John 3.17 it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And the Good Samaritan did that. He loved with his actions at a pretty significant cost to himself. He sacrificed his time and his plans for the day, his money, uh, the amount that he spent to denarii was about two days wages. So in today's terms, say about $400 on a stranger that he didn't know. He hauled this guy up onto his own donkey. Um, picture that for a moment. Have you ever tried to put a half-dead man on a donkey? He, spent, he put in some effort here. And this was a guy he didn't know, but who probably would have avoided him if they had met under different circumstances. Now, as you know, our series is based on sacred pathways. And in that book, Gary Thomas says that since we're all naturally self-centered creatures, being concerned about others is an unnatural response and provides evidence of a supernatural touch from God. 
In a tangible way, then, the caregiver is a witness to God's existence by demonstrating his love through the giving of care. And that's what this good Samaritan did. And so it's, it's only God's love in our hearts that can prompt us to serve others sacrificially this way. So those who have this caregiver temperament, they challenge us as a pretty selfish culture and sometimes even as a selfish church. All of us, as followers of Jesus, are called to serve, called to give sacrificially, but those with this caregiver temperament have a particular gift that should inspire the rest of us. And now you don't naturally have to be a caregiver type in order to experience God's presence with you while you help someone. Some people are going to connect to God most naturally through caregiving, but all of us should be trying it. Just like in previous weeks, we talked about worshiping outside. That's the, the camp scene behind me here. And we talked about worshiping God through tradition and rituals or through time alone in prayer and fasting. Certain people are going to naturally gravitate to worship God in those different ways, but all of us can get some benefit from them. And so it's good to get out of our comfort zones, but it's also good to recognize the particular way that God has made each one of us to connect best with him. I personally identify most with the ascetic temperament that we talked about last week, but that doesn't mean I'm off the hook in caring for other people. I still need to do that as part of following Jesus' commands. And so I don't get to walk by someone in need just because, oh, I'm not a caregiver. But caregivers they still need to engage in other forms of worship and connection with God as well. So you might wonder why I asked Hannah to keep on reading past the story of the Good Samaritan and read the story of Mary and Martha as well. Martha is another example of a caregiver temperament. She loved to have people in her home and cook for them and show them hospitality. I bet she put together a great party but just like the priest and the Levite that we read about earlier, she got her priorities out of order. So let me read that brief story for you one more time. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That one thing, the one thing that's needed has to be what we identified earlier as the greatest commandment. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Loving your neighbor is a very wonderful and important second commandment, but it's still second. We can't get them out of order. And this is one of the main temptations of those who have a caregiver temperament to let the serving of other people actually distract them from the worshiping Christ instead of using that as a way to love and honor him. Uh, in this passage, it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations she was making. Distracted from what? Or from who? Right? It was distracted from Jesus, who was literally in her house teaching. There's a time to serve. 
and there's a time to sit and listen. And Martha invited Jesus into her home, but then she neglected him while she ran around preparing the meal. And let's be honest, it was probably a more elaborate meal than was actually required. So we mustn't serve at the expense of being fed spiritually, or we're going to run out of steam pretty fast, right? We need both. We need the wisdom to recognize when it's time to work, when it's time to stop working, and just be with Jesus. That's what I love about Dagmar's testimony in the video, is that every day she makes time to spend with the Lord first. She commits all her plans to him first, and then she goes around and sees who needs help. The other mistake that Martha made, other than being distracted, was she concerned herself too much with what other people were doing, right? This is another common temptation of those with a caregiver temperament. They love to serve. They love to help people in practical ways, and so sometimes they bite off a little more than they can chew. And instead of saying, oh, whoops, I've taken on too much, I better do a little less, more often they start looking around and seeing others and judging them and saying, hey, how come they're not helping? Don't they see all these needs? I'm overwhelmed here. Why aren't they coming to do this job? So Martha, she says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But Jesus didn't. He knew Mary was a different person from Martha. She was a contemplative. She was sitting, listening to the teaching. She knew what the moment was about, what was required in that moment. She probably wasn't a caregiver by temperament. We see Mary in other instances, and she's always at the Lord's feet listening. And can, caregivers can look at people with those more contemplative, thoughtful, silent, meditative personalities and think, well, it's selfish of them to spend so much time with God just alone when there's so much that needs to be done. But Jesus reminds her, it's okay that we worship and serve in different ways and in different proportions, because he made us different from each other. He doesn't criticize Martha for serving. That's not the problem. But he challenges her for having her priorities out of order and for judging her sister. And so Gary Thomas says this, caregiving is not a license to judge others who serve God in different ways. Yes, all of us are called to love our neighbor as ourselves, but there's different ways to do that. And caregivers might spend 75% of their time doing practical things for other people, and the naturalists say might only spend 30% of their time doing that. But if they're both focused on Jesus, worshiping him and serving him through the opportunities that he puts in their path, then they're both doing right. Neither one of them is better than the other. None of the sacred pathways we're talking about in this series are better than any of the others. And so our hope and our prayer is that as we go through these different spiritual temperaments, that you feel affirmed in the particular temperament that God has given you. Or temperaments, you know there can be more than one. We're not all just, we don't all fit nicely in one box. We're usually a blend of different temperaments. But I hope that you feel affirmed in that, in the ways that you naturally connect with God, and also that you'll start to understand some of the other temperaments a little better and try out some of their ways of connecting with God. Because the more that we grow in our faith, the more we're going to be able to find God in ways that aren't our own personal preference. And the more we're able to appreciate others and rely on them for what they're good at, the better our church is going to function. And so remember, we are all part of this body of Christ. And we need the hands, and we need the ears, and we need the brains, and we need the feet. 
Um, we need all the different parts of the body to do their work the way that they do it. And our church sure needs those caregiver types. We do, but we need every type. I'll tell you honestly, none of the pastors on our staff have caregiving as their number one. You know, we, did, we filled out the whole assessment like we're doing on our workshops on Thursday nights. Brian's intellectual at the top. He learns, we'll hear about that in another week. He, he gets close to God by learning. And um, Anna's an enthusiast. We're going to hear about that next week. I'm ascetic. Lisa didn't have time to do the assessment. She's been a little busy. <laughs> Maybe she's a caregiver, but who knows? Anyways, the point is, none of the pastoral team have this as our top strength, and so we need you guys who do caregiving well to help us and to help the church because we're going to do our best to show that practical love and care to people who need it, but sometimes we're going to drop the ball or we're not going to know about some need, and so we need you guys to look out for each other and to use this gift to connect with God. So if you're sick and you receive a visit or a meal from Dagmar or from Doreen or Annie or Tony or Bev Scott or any of those other caregiver types in our church, I hope that you won't think, oh, the church didn't care about me because none of the pastors came. Right? The church is all of us. The church is everybody together, working together to serve each other. And so each one of us is doing what we're gifted at and worshiping God in the way that he's made us. Each and every one of you, even if you're brand new today, you are necessary in this family. We need you. And Colossians 3.17 says this, Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Some of us have more words, and some of you have more deeds. And hopefully, as we work together and try to love each other, then God will grow each one of us into exactly who he wants us to be. So would you please pray with me now that we can serve and worship him in the right way and with the right attitude. Lord, I'm so grateful for those that you have created to be natural caregivers, those who see people in need and jump in to help and know what to do and what to bring and how to meet practical needs. Lord, we need those people, and I pray that today you will bless them and encourage them Lord, it's so easy for each one of us to look down on ourselves as less than someone else with a different temperament or a different gift. And so, Lord, I pray that through this series on Sacred Pathways that we recognize we're all different, we're all unique, and yet we are all exactly who you want us to be. Lord, help us to worship you in ways that uh, draw us closer to you, that help us understand you better, that fill up our souls with joy. Lord, thank you for the joy that we find when we're worshiping you and connecting with you in the right way. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be like Martha, Lord. Not that we wouldn't serve like Martha. I do pray we would serve and work hard. But Lord, help us not to judge others. And Lord, help us not to be distracted from our love for you. Lord, may we never put others' needs above that need to fill up our souls because it's only as we stay connected to you that we can accomplish anything of value. Lord, you said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so may we not work and serve in our own strength, but with only the strength you provide through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the evidence we saw of that this week as so many served out of the kids' camps and 
and fed them and herded them and taught them and made crafts with them. Lord, so many caregivers were here this week. I pray you bless them for that, give them good rest. And for the coming camps, Lord, we put them in your hands. We know you will provide all that is needed. And so we just glorify your name at what you are doing in and through us as a church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.